Hey y'all, this is Kate. Just wanted to hop in before this episode starts to say that this is the first episode in a series of five that will be dedicated specifically to managing risk through insurance on your farmer ranch. And you may be thinking insurance is not something I want to talk about, but that's why you're here, right? Because we want to talk about it and uh, we're gonna we're gonna break it down for you. So of course we want to hear your feedback, your thoughts, something that we would really appreciate if after listening to this episode, you could visit the link in the episode description to answer three short questions about your experience with crop insurance, which is today's topic. And of course, since we appreciate your time, you will have the option to enter into a drawing for a $50 Visa gift card after filling out that survey. We'll be giving away 12 gift cards in the spring. You'll have the chance to enter multiple times if you listen to the next episodes in this insurance series. So again, visit the episode notes to fill out that survey, and we hope you learned something and and share it with us. Thanks all. Hello, welcome to the Farm Commons podcast where we make farm law accessible and actionable for sustainable farmers and ranchers, as well as their networks of support. I'm Eva. And I'm Kate. In each episode, we explore real legal issues faced on farms every day, providing key knowledge and tangible solutions to help you grow a thriving agricultural business. From managing liability to navigating tough conversations with landlords and neighbors, we've got your back. Let's get started. Hello, hello. We are back with another Farm Law podcast episode to light your brain on fire with risk management inspiration for your farm or ranch business. Hi, Eva. Hi, Kate. Yep, this episode will be lighting up the part of your brain that's motivated by proper insurance coverage. If this doesn't sound like your brain, it will be by the end of this episode because we're going to explain crop insurance for farmers and ranchers with diversified businesses who are selling direct to consumers. And the good news for these folks is there's a new crop policy, crop insurance policy on the market just for you. Yep, that's right. You might have heard about the whole farm revenue protection crop insurance policy that's been available nationwide since 2015. Or you may not actually have heard of this policy ever before until right now. But either way, we'll get you up to speed. And in particular, we'll be covering the new microfarm policy of the whole farm revenue protection program and how that came to be, what it is, how it works, and how to figure out if it's the right policy for you. And we're joined today by our executive director and attorney, Rachel Armstrong, to help us parse through all of this. Hi, Rachel. Hey, folks. Good to be here. And I really do liking like talking about uh, this policy. So glad to be here. I'm so glad. Um, so before we, you know, really launch into it, um, even just in the last you know minute or so, we've mentioned a lot of programs and a lot of words that might need a little bit of breaking down. So to start, whole farm revenue protection. Rachel, can you tell us more about this program and why it's significant? Absolutely. So first, I do want to identify for our listeners that insurance is kind of a drag. It can feel like an extra cost for something that you may or may not need. But we also know that climate disasters are becoming more frequent. Climate in general is more unpredictable. And that tends to make crop insurance more valuable and necessary. 
So before this policy called Whole Farm Revenue Protection came around, crop insurance for diversified farmers and ranchers who were selling direct-to-consumer was especially inadequate. The policies were really geared for commodity growers, and a farm that was producing 30 or more types of produce and selling it through a CSA or farmer's market, for example, just did not fit into the insurance system. So even though their crops were just as at risk from weather and disease and bugs as a thousand acres of corn or soybeans, diversified folks selling direct-to-consumer could not buy a policy that covered their revenue from direct-to-consumer sales. And we know that they're earning more per dollar that way than on the commodity market. But thanks to the significant advocacy efforts of organizations, we got whole farm revenue protection in the 2015 Farm Bill. And so now it's a permanent thing. And you'll hear us call it WFRP for short. Yeah, thanks for that background in history, Rachel. You've taken us back in time, uh, gone into the time machine here, to 2015 when the whole farm revenue protection policy, or WFRP, uh, listeners, we will probably be bouncing around between the two because one is much easier than the other. Uh, So back in 2015 when that policy was being piloted, how was it received then and how has it been used over the past seven-ish years? So a number of farmers have given this policy a try. Um, but some of the some of the hope for what this policy could do has landed a bit flat, and that is because of the policy's paperwork obligations. And so many farmers haven't necessarily kept buying the policy after um, trying it out for a year or two. So WFRP is still around, and there are people who use it, but I'm hearing it hasn't been very successful because of the paperwork load. But the new microfarm policy that we mentioned earlier has solved a lot of those problems, right? Can can we talk a little bit about that? Let's do it. We love talking about improvements and things that are going well. Uh, the good news is that microfarm does enhance and improve the WFRP policy. Um, but let's wait a little bit before we get into those details. Let's start with what the overall WFRP program is and how it works. So it's crop insurance, of course. And so what is that? Well, that's essentially paying someone else to assume the burden of the risk of crop failure. And like most crop and crop and livestock insurance, it originates at USDA in Risk Management um, Agency, or RMA, who works with the Federal Crop Insurance Corporation to craft federally subsidized crop insurance policies. So farmers and ranchers buy these policies through private insurance companies nationwide, who also serve as the policies for farmers and ranchers. Now, WFRP is unique because it ensures revenue from crops and livestock. So that means that farmers who sell into organic and specialty markets can ensure the revenue that they receive selling into those valuable markets, rather than ensuring their product at, you know, a much lower commodity value. Let's take an example. So say we have farmer Lee. And um, she could have purchased a WFRP policy to protect her historic revenue from, say, organic pumpkin sales, cruciferous vegetable sales, and grass-fed beef sales. Now, in that case, WFRP could cover up to 85% of Farmer Lee's lost revenue if the farm produces those, you know, at least three different commodity types. With the pumpkins, the veggies, and the beef, she meets that threshold, so... Looking good for Farmer Lee. But, you know, beyond that threshold, we do begin to, we begin to have some paperwork. 
So if Farmer Lee wants to ensure that revenue, she's going to have to prove what the revenue was. And to do that, she has to submit five consecutive years of farm tax filings, or Schedule F. And after we remove any, then we got to remove ineligible revenue, because there might be some in there. And then we average those five years to arrive at our insured revenue. So, you know, you can see where this might be going. Farmers who might not have five years of tax returns, you know, or maybe they um, experience significant growth in the later years. Some complications can develop. The tax returns are the beginning, but, you know, the paperwork keeps going. Later on, we file a farm history report detailing approved revenue and expenses. And then we create a report of the farm's projected operations for the year. Later on, a report of the farm's actual production and planting for the year. And each of these reports is important and does play a role in preventing crop insurance fraud by making sure that the insured revenue was actually on track to be earned when the disaster happened. So that's a, that's a little bit of a preview of what it's like to get a WFRP policy and some of those obligations. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a huge lift to get crop insurance, especially on top of everything else farmers need to do to keep a business running. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that is a number one complaint about the program. And, you know, from an attorney's perspective, there are good legal reasons why those obligations are there. Um, but the fact remains that it is hindering the usefulness of this policy and thus its effectiveness in mitigating the risk from climate change and weather. And farmers still need a, a good solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Rachel, for grounding us in WFRP's history and process and some of the obstacles involved. And so let's transition now to the good news, which is that RMA heard the call for improvement and last year in 2021 launched the microfarm crop insurance policy, which is a style of WFRP. Um, so we're kind of talking about those, you know, nesting dolls, how like the smaller ones fit into the bigger ones. So microfarm fits into the bigger one, which is WFRP. And for the 2022 growing season, um, this was the first season where diversified farmers have been able to access this coverage and applications for the 2023 season are opening up soon. So let's dive into what this program is, how it works and why it might be a good fit for our listeners. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So yes, Microfarm is like WFRP. It's crop insurance. It provides protection against the loss of insured revenue due to unavoidable natural causes and all that stuff. But most importantly, the Microfarm policy relieves many of the heavy burdens of the WFRP policy. So it's uh, a revenue safety net for all commodities. So that means coverage is available, you know, when you lump your commodities um, as a whole. So whereas Farmer Lee, we were talking pumpkins, cruciferous vegetables, and beef. In, in this case, those can be lumped together. So a diversified farm with, you know, 30 plus crops could secure micro farm coverage for the total revenue across those 30 crops rather than on an individual crop by crop basis. So that enhancement really reduces the paperwork load to account for each individual crop. Um, also, unlike WFRP, the microfarm policy covers almost all crops, with the exception of controlled substances, of course. And that means that coverage is now available for just about 
any diversified farm and ranch business that's growing crops for sale through things like CSA, farmers markets, farm stands. Microfarm also allows some value-added products to be covered under the same policy as crops. And that's a great benefit too, because there are many farms that produce and sell value-added goods, like jams, sauces, soaps, pickles, all that good stuff. Now, cherry on top. The microfarm policy requires three years of farm tax history instead of five. So these key enhancements produce a crop insurance policy that is definitely headed towards a paradigm shift from the traditional commodity coverage. Microfarm crop insurance is poised to deliver on the promise of whole farm coverage thanks to these improvements. Mm, it's really good to hear that there is a policy in place uh, for farmers who don't meet that traditional commodity style of farming. And those changes that Microfarm has put in place sound very helpful, uh, especially with managing that paperwork and in the face of a rapidly changing climate. So the question now, uh, what do interested farmers need to know about their eligibility for Microfarm? Well, I guess the first thing listeners should know is that many of you will be eligible. In 2022, the microfarm policy was tailored for any farm with up to 100000 in approved revenue. Now, that's low, but wait, there's more. Um, that shut out a lot of folks, and so in August 2022, RMA announced that the microfarm policy would be available for more farms in 2023, and the maximum annual gross revenue limit was increased to 350000 So any farm averaging less than 350000 in gross farm income can now qualify. There are a few other eligibility criteria that we should uh, talk through. You got to be eligible to receive federal benefits, be a U.S. citizen or resident, and you got to file those Schedule F tax forms or another tax form that can be converted to a substitute Schedule F. So if you're under that 350000 limit of approved revenue, um, you also have to have no more than 50% of your total revenue from commodities purchased for resale. Like, for example, if you buy produce from another farm to fill your CSA or for resale at your farm stand, that's got to be at less than 50%. Now, for more information, you can definitely read the RMA Microfarm Program Fact Sheet, and that'll be linked in the show notes. Okay, I love to hear about those new eligibility thresholds. Uh, and you just threw around a bunch of numbers, and so I would love to get into the numbers now. Microfarm sounds like it could really benefit farms, but what does the cost breakdown actually look like? So can we do some math? <laughs> we love trying to do math at Farm Commons. <laughs> uh, it, uh, we deal a lot with words, and so we like to spice it up with some math every now and then. So let's talk numbers now. Uh, all you listeners out there can actually estimate your liability, premium cost, federal subsidy, and your rate you'd pay for using RMA's um, microfarm policy using their cost estimator calculator that's available on their website. And we'll also include a link to that calculator in the show notes. So I actually went through that exact exercise of using the cost estimator and generated a personal estimate for my imaginary farm in Forsyth County, North Carolina, where I live. So let's get, let's get into this hypothetical farm fantasy. 
So uh, let's say I'm a small farm that earns a steady $100,000 in revenue year over year uh, from my diversified farm operation. I would pay about $6,800 for a microfarm policy premium. And if I lost all of my crops, I would receive up to $85,000 in compensation. If I lost half my crops, I would receive half of that, or $42,500. So is the peace of mind worth nearly $7,000? Well, that's certainly a business decision that I would have to think about. You know, and it's worth mentioning that that does seem like kind of a lot, right? I mean, it's nearly $7,000 for insurance, and that is a big extra cost to farms that are just getting by, especially in the early years. If you change the perspective on that and say you put $7,000 in the bank each year, well, it would take you 12 years to save up to that $85,000 that you would receive. But then when you look at it from another, another perspective, do you think you'll go 12 clean years without any crop loss? And for many farms, are you losing about $7,000 worth of crops on average right now? And then, you know, if you were to take that, that, that loss and, and pay it towards a policy, how vulnerable is your location, your farm, to increasing climate stress, disease, insects? How vulnerable are your crops to the kinds of stress you might experience more of in the coming years? Those are some great questions and different perspectives, Rachel. Um, so if folks are interested, how can they apply for coverage? Sure. So this policy is available in all 50 states, you know, covering losses due to unavoidable natural causes. Most people will have a deadline to buy this policy by February or March of 2023. So you have to look that up particular to your form and based on when you file your taxes. So folks who do that, who purchase that policy by the early part of the year, will be insured for the 2023 summer season. Now is a great time to consider whether this is something that you want to pursue, dear listeners, and start getting those materials together. Well, I want to be, I want to be you know, really upfront with our listeners and also say that one of the tricky parts about securing this coverage is finding an insurance agent to sell it to you. Now, no problem finding a list of of crop insurance agents, they are all included at, um, they're all listed at USDA service centers and on the RMA website. You know, and honestly, all of those agents who sell any federally subsidized crop insurance are required to sell all policies for federally subsidized crop insurance. But things aren't that easy in reality. Uh, Microfarm is um, a new program, and so many crop insurance agents may not know about it, even if they are required to sell it. So this can create a tricky dynamic where you need to be prepared, farmers, to help educate your crop insurance agent on the program, and in a way that they can receive it positively and productively, because you need them to help you. My best advice for you is to ask your peers if they have had a good and good experience with an agent familiar with WFRP. In the likely chance that your neighbors also have not pursued this policy and don't have any referrals for you, try a local or regional farm advocacy organization. They may have met someone who is familiar with this. If you don't get to a referral, you might need to do your best to pick from RMA's list of agents someone perhaps nearby to where you live. 
And then we suggest you approach them with information about WFRP and the Microfarm program in case they don't know about it. You can print out the Microfarm program fact sheet and bring that with you. And remember, getting off on the right foot with the relationship with with a crop and livestock insurance agent is really a strong risk management tool and can yield some, some good benefits down the years. So think of it as an investment. Yeah, absolutely. Relationships uh, lead to resilience. Healthy relationships lead to resilience. Uh, And so thanks so much for this close look at the Microfarm program and how it came to be, how it works, and how to pursue coverage under this really exciting new policy. I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for producers. My dog is also weighing in on this, and she says, yes, this is a good thing. (laughs) So now I want to check in with you listeners, you farmers and ranchers out there doing your best to grow food for your communities in the face of a truly devastating um, shift in climactic forces. This is a lot to hold, and you do it all as you get out there each day to grow your crops, raise your livestock, and expand your farm or ranch business. Insurance can be just one more expense, we understand that, and yeah, just one more responsibility to manage. But in this climate, it is the necessary tool for managing risk. And perhaps you see this too, and you're considering pursuing microfarm crop insurance coverage. If so, maybe you want to talk your strategy through with a peer. Or maybe you already have it and you want to share your experience with others who want the same. Whether you're thinking, whatever you're thinking and feeling, We're here to support you. Fill out the short survey linked in the show notes to share with us what you found valuable in this episode and tell us your plans and stories on Microfarm. We'll be creating a follow-up episode in February 2023 with farmers relaying their thoughts and experiences with Microfarm and WFRP. Let us know if you have a story or reflections to share. We may want to include you in our upcoming episode. So drop us an email with your thoughts at info, I-N-F-O, at farmcommons.org. We definitely want to hear from you. So thanks for being here. Until next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us for this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. If you are looking for more resources on your burning farm law questions, visit our website at farmcommons.org for a variety of workshops, guides, checklists, tutorials, and more. You can also email your questions and comments to info at farmcommons.org. Stay tuned for our next episode, and until then, keep growing. And uh, this is Rachel saying this material is funded in partnership by USDA Risk Management Agency under award number RMA 22 CPT 0012392.